Welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. John Lennon once said, a dream you dream alone is only a dream. A dream you dream together is reality. Join me as we connect dreams to reality by chatting with innovators from around Washington, DC. Our show is proudly sponsored by the DC chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. This is the Impactful Leadership Show. Well, welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. My name is Greg McDonough. I'm your host. I am the CEO of Blackburn Capital Advisors and the chapter president of the Entrepreneurs Group of Washington, DC. Today's guest is an amazing and passionate entrepreneur who's won awards at the Best of Pasadena and from the American Society of Interior Designer, the Presidential Citation Award for Distinguished Service. Her incredible design work has been featured in HGTV program and the Pasadena Home Case House of Design. She is the president and principal designer of Amy Peltier Interior Design and Home. Welcome, Amy. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on our show. Yeah. Um, we like to focus on leadership on the Impactful Leadership Show. And so my favorite question is, what misconceptions have you seen in leadership? Gosh, um, so many. Where do I start? <laughs> I mean, when I first started my business, I don't think I started it to be a leader. I started it because I'm like, well, I want to be an interior designer and I want my own clients and I want to make a lot of money. Um, and in turn, 10 plus years later, um, you can only do that by being a great leader. So, you know, like all of those things were maybe not misconceptions, but learning moments for me along the way to kind of where I am today, which is totally different. And my, my why for doing business is completely different now than it was when I started it. So, um, I don't know, should I just start, pick one and start? <laughs> That'd be great. And also be, yes, yes. Let's just pick one and let's start. Okay. Um, I think I thought a successful and like, I think entrepreneur and leader at this point in time are very interchangeable to me. So that's a hard one to decipher the two. Um, leader to me, like means leading your team and leading your business, but leading your business is being an entrepreneur. So they're all very like interchangeable. That's a very interchangeable thing to me. So, but I remember when I started my business, I thought, well, I just, I someday, at the peak of my business, when I'm going to retire, I just want to hit a million dollars. If I hit a million dollars ever, I will have felt like I had a successful business. And so that's where I started. And it, to me, it was just about the number. I was like, okay, how do I hit this number? And I put my head down for a handful of years and I worked and I worked and I worked and I worked. I didn't even look up and I didn't even realize what was happening. And I had some kids in there too. And Every time an opportunity came my way, I said yes to it. And so this is my definition of being a leader and being an entrepreneur is just like hit that million dollars. And one day, less than five years later, I looked up and I was like, oh my gosh, I did it. I was like, I did it. What? And so that was really exciting for a hot second. And then I sat there after that and I was like, well, now what do I do? There literally was no post million dollars because I think I thought it wouldn't be to the end of my career. So I sat there for a long time, probably just as many years as it took me to build the business. I sat for, for that many years trying to figure out, well, like why and what's next? And at first I was like, okay, well, let's do 2 million or 3 million or 4 million. And it felt really empty. So I think that's where this like journey of just starting the business and what I knew then kind of started rolling into the 
why and well because you're employing people and if you're employing people like you're you need to you can't just work all the time so like that was my second misconception the harder I worked as a leader or as a business owner the more success I would have so I would work harder and harder and harder I mean there were days where I was starting work at 7 a.m on job sites and then I was picking my kids up exactly at six o'clock because at 601 I got fined and swooping in to pick them up at six o'clock to run them home to get them both ready and I mean they were tiny my husband's traveling to get them both ready to get them I had to get them in bed by 8 30 because at 8 30 I had to start working again because at 8 30 I had to go through all my emails and prep for the next day because well, I was on appointments all day. I just had seven appointments and it was, and it started because we just got busy, but then it never stopped. Like there was no ebb and flow in that busyness. So I was like, okay, well I can squeeze in one more appointment and I can do one more thing. And while I'm doing all of that, I'm like, okay, employee, a, here's your to-do list today. You got to get all that done. And like, it was like this, I was like a puppet master, just pulling everybody's strings and micromanaging everything. And, um, it was a good skill set to develop, but I think it went on for way too many years for me. So I think what I learned to be a true leader, um, and I only learned this by um, happenstance when I had to move to the East Coast with my business. Um, and so I left my West Coast business functioning. And it was at that moment that I realized that to actually lead a company, you need to remove yourself from it. Because if you're doing everything, it's just you. You just have a business with you. But when you remove yourself from it and you are able to empower your employees to do their job, that's when you're leading your company. And I mean, I don't know why or how that opportunity came into my life, but it, that is when my business flourished. It actually stayed stuck at a million dollars for a couple years until I made that move, which I thought was going to take it and ruin it and be the end of it. And instead, after a couple of months, I realized I was like, well, now I have time to think because I'm not in it every day. Now I can think about it instead of what I need to do to make it work. I can think about it all day and I can mentor and coach my employees like, hey, here are the processes and the rules. I'm looking at you from a big picture view now and be able to look and say, hey, there's a hole in our process. Let's fix it and tweak it. And I was more pleasant to be around. That was another great bonus because <laughs> I was happier because I had more time and I was able to like spend time with my kids now. And, um, and so that ability to work on the business and realizing that I don't have to work harder to make it more successful, that was like a pivotal moment in my life. Um, really, truly changed everything for me. And now because of that, now I'm able to spend more time on building my skill set. Um, and I'm able to spend more time, you know, like I said, coaching my employees. So I think that was another misconception is I had to be the know-it-all. I was the B-end and of, of all knowledge in the company. I had to be the best designer. I had to be the best at customer service. I had to be the best at finances. I had to be the best at everything because it's like my business. I'm at the top. Like I should know everything. Um, and I've also learned, again, maybe by luck that... I started just hiring employees that happened to have the opposite skill set of me. And because they had the opposite skill set, I was like, wow, you're really good at that. And I'm not good at that. And so I started learning, like, stay in your own lane. And when I stayed in my own lane, I became a better manager and a better employer and a better leader 
for many reasons, because now somebody better than me is doing the job. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. Like I would tell anybody now, hire somebody who's better than you, like get rid of your ego. Don't have a problem with it. If you want to see your business flourish, hire someone who's better than you and, and give them all the credit. Like, so my West coast office, I have a lead designer there and she's, she was an intern with me. That's how she started. She is a better designer than me. She's better with the clients. She manages the projects better. She follows the processes better. She has higher profit margins on her projects than I ever do. And any, like everyone says, please get out of the project to me because when I get in, I'm like, oh, just mark that down or who cares about the price on it? Because that's my skill set is like the frilly big picture stuff. So I think those were like, you know, and I could go on and on about the details of those, but those are my kind of like really big misconceptions that I've learned along the way. Those are, are very insightful. Let's, one of the things that you mentioned was stepping out of the business and you were fortunate enough to have a move in your life that kind of forced you to do it. But talk to me about the tactical side, like the minute you knew you were going to move and you needed to get yourself out of the business what things did you do? Because there's many people out, many entrepreneurs out there that are struggling with that, right? Because right. every day we wake up and we want to tinker and we want to tinker and we want to yeah. tinker. And so we tinker. Talk to us about the tactical approach you took to start removing yourself out of the business so you could be more strategic. Sure. Well, when I found out we were going to move, I cried for a long time. I mean, that one was a big hit for me. I probably had to like digest it for almost three months. That's how long it took me to kind of digest that. So that it was actually another learning experience. And once I did it, I was like, do you really need to sit there for three months when an obstacle comes your way? Like that's essentially what being a leader and a business owner is. It's like, it's a daily set of obstacles. How quickly can you get over them and look at them from the positive side of the coin and then solve them with your team and move forward. And those who do that faster and more positive are the ones who are more successful. And so I wallowed in the move, like I'm losing a child. It's my third child. It's been all my time. I mean, I spent months doing that. And then I basically had to choose, do I want to let it go or do we want to keep it going? And I, I think I just couldn't let it go. So I was again, very fortunate and grateful that I had a whole lot of time to prepare for it. And I'm not sure what it would happen if I hadn't had that time. I still think it would have been okay. But in my mind, I think it was like an easier um, bite to swallow because I had about a year and a half before we actually needed to make that move. And we did, we pushed, but it was my husband's company that was moving us. And so we pushed back on that move date a lot, um, which maybe I needed, maybe I didn't, I don't know. It made me feel better about myself. So I took it. Um, and so we went internally and moved like a snail for a year and a half. It was a very, it was like pulling out a, each piece of hair one by one and like reveling in the little pain that we just like ripped out that piece of hair, like, like pulling off a bandaid little by little, like that's what that year and a half felt to me because it was all about internal processes. Okay. What am I doing today? What did I do today at the end of the day? So I had to still keep up with that crazy schedule that I was doing, but I had to also add in to my crazy schedule. At the end of the day, what did I do today that I didn't need to do? What could I have given to somebody else? Who do I give it to? And how do I teach them how to do it? And that went on for a year and a half. And it was boring to me. It was like, oh, like get me out of this phase. 
Um, and I didn't even see an end to it. I didn't even really see progress while I was in the middle of it. I actually didn't see its results until I had to leave that day, moving day. And again, so like I started out the beginning of the news crying and I ended out crying. I almost threw up that day. I was literally, I was leaving and I was like, it's like leaving a newborn by itself with a bunch of bottles next to it. Like who does this? And that's what I felt like. I was like sick to my stomach, but I had to leave. Moving day was here and we left and I was like, it's okay. I can call them tomorrow. I can call them all day tomorrow. I can make them sit on. In fact, I think I did. I made them sit on my employees sit on zoom with me like all day long for like a week, because that was my way of like seeing them and being connected to them. But then something came up here in my life and my kids needed to be picked up from school and like life started going on a little bit more and they weren't in front of me all day long and they couldn't ask me questions all day long. So that was like a key. I wasn't available to them all day long. It was my own fault how I got there, but I was like no longer available to them every second of the day. And I actually started enjoying that. So then I was like, well, we'll just start out with a 9 a.m. call and that's it. <laughs> and because I wasn't, and then they might need something and they can't do it right now. And then they started figuring things out on their own because they had all the tools in front of them. I mean, we had every process under the sun, which we still use today. Um, and I also realized that employees and good employees um, will follow your processes to a T. It's human nature to follow the rules that you give them. And so if you give them really good rules, and so all of our processes were about like how to make our design clients happy and our projects successful. And so I just kept developing that and, and they kept following it. And actually it's like comical. The only one in the company who cannot follow them to this day is me. So that's why I stay out of the projects on a daily basis. It's, and it's literally true. Like we have an operating system that I, I met, no one wants me in it. And they're like, why did, who did this entering? And I'm like, why well, did that entering? And they're like, why did you do the entering? And so I've learned like they do it so much better than me that I just stay out of it. And so processes were everything and rules and, and by them embracing them to a T, like they follow them to a T where I follow them there very grayly. I'm like, well, I guess I told this client this, but that's okay. It's just one time I feel bad. I'll just do this for this client. And then, and then there you go. All your processes and rules have been broken and they don't work anymore. So I think I like very much looked at, I only know how to do, I, I only knew how to do one thing. I worked in corporate America at Williams-Sonoma Home as a sales manager for a few years before I started my business. And so all I did was like, think back to like, okay, well, they had all these processes and rules and they worked like a corporation. And so if I'm not going to be there every day, it has to work like a corporation. So I just, I literally was just like, okay, what does a corporation do? And so every time I would teach something and put a process in, I'm like, like a corporation, what do they do? I didn't know what I was doing, but, um, but now like, that's our strength. Like our processes are crazy good. Um, and I'm very proud of them and they follow them to a T and I stay out of them. That's fantastic. Talk to me a little bit more about developing those processes. Are they in writing? Are they by the water cooler? Like, talk to like, because at yeah. some point in time, you didn't have those processes Correct. and now you do, and they're a strength of your business. So talk to us about when you decided that, Hey, this needs to be a pattern or sure. a process. And then also, you know, let's, I got a follow-up question once you answer that one. <laughs> okay, so processes are a process. They don't happen overnight. <laughs> and so sort of like I'm trying to help my son right now, he's learning how to write papers. And so he like, 
you know, gets an assignment and is told like, write a story about this. And he, he'll like, show me his story and it's three sentences long. And I'm like, all right, buddy. Well, that's good. That's a good start. You got to get it out. Or like, he can't start at all. And I'm like, get a brainstorm, get some, get, just get some words on the paper. And then you get the words on the paper. That's your beginning process. So yeah, we did write them down, but they were like very basic and almost felt useless. I was like, there was a lot of times where I was like, why, why are we doing this? Like, because I knew how to do all the processes. Like, why am I writing it down for myself? And then I'm like, well, I got to write it down for other people. But the person that I was handing it off to had been with me for so long that she's like, okay, well, no one's looking at them on a daily basis. So it was like, felt very wasteful. Like we're just spending our time looking very corporate, but why are we doing this? Because she knows how to do everything too now at this point. So you write them down. But every time we'd hire somebody new, that was when we kind of brought those processes out again. And we were able to go back like my son does with his papers. And I'm saying, I'm like, okay, now write in some juicy adjectives, like beef it up. Like the boy ran, well, like the tall boy with dark brown hair ran very fast. I'm like, so that's what we would do to our processes. We would like layer in the detail that they needed. Or if we ended up with an issue on a project, that was also when we were like, whoa, this isn't working. We need to double check on ordering because I can't believe that mistake got missed. Like that was so obvious what happened there. And so we'd go back in and we'd look up our processes and we'd tweak. So that was phase one. But I, that also just sat there too, because we'd bring on another employee and they'd be very like entry level. And so we're not necessarily passing all of this responsibility off to them from the beginning. They'd read through the processes at the beginning, but then again, we weren't using them. So it was like, okay. So we did that for a long time. I felt better that they were there and I felt better that like I'd spent so much time paying attention to them because I think that's how I passed them off to my lead designer. But ultimately we didn't really start using those processes and like seeing their magic until Virginia started building, building itself up and I couldn't give the operations attention to California like it used to have. Now I had like two jobs and I had a team starting here. And so we started having to do these, we started having to separate our meetings. We started having a weekly sales meeting with the team, which is like going through how do we better ourselves as a business um, and where are we at with, you know, cash flow and collections and all of that stuff, which becomes really important. Like you can't run a business without cash. And if you fall behind in your collections, like you've got a problem, it's hard to catch up. And so we had this, like started having this internal process that we started creating around that. And we were looking at it every week. So we started using ClickUp, which is um, an online management tool. And in ClickUp, we would start putting this process. And we started using Google Drive to share all of our documents. And we started creating a Tuesday outline. What are the things that we need to see every Tuesday at this all staff meeting to keep the business moving forward and make it a success, sort of like a dashboard, but it was a meeting format. And so we started doing those meetings and we started getting really good at them. And then the name of the game now is just to make sure we keep doing them because sometimes we get so busy that everybody's not available and we have to read that back in and be like, this is an important meeting. Nobody skip it. And then we started doing these very specific where I used to just call them up and be like, okay, what's going on with this client and that client? And that was my way of like keeping up and understanding what was happening with all client projects. We started saying, okay, well now on Mondays, we're going to do client meetings and it's only about client projects. Cause you know, in my business, I'm a designer. So I have like the design work 
And then I have to like run the business. And so I have to have both of these processes. So when that was like a real big moment in our processes, we were able to take all those things we had written up over the past couple of years. And I had somebody in the administrative side of my team input this process into ClickUp. And now we have a process that when a new client signs, we take their letter of agreement and upload it to their Google Drive. We add them both to the ClickUp onto our internal software that we use for accounting um, and ordering. And then now this client is onboarded internally. And then we take that template for our design process, which is like real fine-tuned. Like we have a great signature design process and we apply it to that client's folder in ClickUp. And every week we go through every single client name in ClickUp and we open it up and we can see where we're at in the process. And if we're lost what to do, then we open up, well, we're at step five. Look at the list, what needs to be done? Oh, okay, we haven't done this yet. We haven't done that. And it includes every everything from like on, on, you know, phase zero, which we call onboarding. And then phase five, which is like client close up. Did we send them a thank you? Did we get them a gift? Like we would forget to do those things if it wasn't in there at the end of the project. Did we ask for a review? Did we do an accounting close up and send it to the client? Did we give them a folder? Um, and so when your team members can see that over and over and over assigned to each client, no one ever forgets to do it. And so that's Certainly. when our processes truly took off. So so a little bit deeper question, when you're interviewing potential employees or posting a job, are these processes talked about at that level, at your recruitment level? Because it really sounds as if it's part of your culture, right? Your employees are on board, you're on board, everyone follows it to a T. That to me speaks culture. I'm curious if you, during your recruitment process, talk about the importance of processes and, and how the, the office operates. I think I do. I think I talk about it in a little, I'm not so like, okay, well, we have a process and that's important to our office. It's more of, um, I am a stickler for client relations. I, what I say it more like our clients need us to be answering their questions before we ask them. That's my definition of doing a spectacular job. I only expect our jobs to run smoothly. Um, I expect us to be, to never miss a detail. And so like, those are the things that I'm talking about expectation wise when I'm hiring, which leads to processes. Like you can't just do that if it's in your head, because then I'm the only one doing it. The only way you can get everybody else to do it is with processes. So I don't know if I'm outright, I'd probably say it, but I don't know if I'm outright like, well, we have lots of processes and you need to follow them. And um, it's just an expectation. That's how we, that's how we're running a great company. And if you can't get on board with it and then you can't, then you got to go on, you got to get on board somewhere else. So that's how we run it here. So, <laughs> um, so, so, so changing topics slightly. I'd be curious to know the Amy Peltier of today, what advice you would give yourself to the Amy Peltier who left, I believe you said it was William Sonoma X amount of years ago. What advice would you give yourself now being through so far through your journey? I wish I could have said to myself, like, it's like, take a deep breath. It'll all work out. I spent a lot of years making myself like a, a stress ball and sick to my stomach, like physically sick. Like when I, at the point when I moved from California to Virginia, I was having migraines almost every day. I was like physically sick 
I was losing my hair. I just like was, I physically, I had physical reactions to the amount of stress I was under. I didn't know how to change it. I mean, I just thought like, well, this is what I got myself into. And like, there was no, there wasn't even a glimpse in my mind that I, that there was a way to fix that. It's just like, that was to me, just the toll you took for growing your business. And I was trying to grow, 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 grow. And so, um, again, like, like I said, that, that move for me was pivotal because I, that stress slowly started to disappear and the business kept going. In fact, not only did it kept going, but it was more profitable and had more revenue and the cash flow was better because I had taken myself out of the day-to-day. Um, I find it very hard to run the day-to-day and then look at a big picture. I don't, I don't think a business owner can run big picture and then be in the nitty gritty day-to-day. I, I just don't think that that is a possible, it can when it's a small business, but when you get to that million dollar mark or higher, I mean, any higher than a million, like you have got to let go of that and find your person who can do the nitty gritty day to day. So you can focus on the big picture. Or if you don't like that, then you stay in the nitty gritty day to day and stay small or hire somebody to do big picture. But I don't believe you can toggle between the two. It's not, it's not possible. So for me, that's just what I believe and have found. So um, I wish I could have told that person to like, stop stressing out. Like it'll all be okay. It'll all work out. I think too, like when I, when I first started and I was working so hard every day, I, I didn't, I don't know that I actually believed I could get to a million dollars. Like, I don't, I don't think anybody did. Like I was just like this little kid still in a way. And I still am very naive about things. Like it's my best attribute. Um, but I didn't, I don't think I actually believed it. Like, I don't think my family believed it. I don't even know if they know to this day that I have a million dollar business. Who knows? They might, they might not. I don't even know if my friends know, like, I don't think anybody believed not because they didn't believe in me, but that just wasn't even the thing that they thought I had in my head. Like it was just in my head and I really wanted it. I had no idea if I could get it. And so again, I think when I reached it, I was like, oh my gosh, I did that. I did that. And that it was again, a pivotal moment. And I was like, well, if I can do that, why can't I do anything else? Like, I don't know how to run a business. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a designer. I can, I can't add without a calculator. And so like, I mean, I'm not a math person in any way, shape or form, but I think by overcoming that challenge, I then had a real, again, eye-opening view of myself that if I can achieve that, what else can I achieve? And Mm -hmm. so, but, but the why really became an important part. And that's where I got fuzzy and stuck for a long time. And again, I wish I could have told myself at that point, well, like, just take it easy. You'll find your why. And again, I think it happened when I did, I like let go of all the stress and pressure I was putting on myself to find the why that the most amazing why came to me. And now I am in a space that kind of started about six months ago that it's like, it's like a whatever, like we're launching a new company. And at first I did, I had like a moment when we launched it where the sales weren't there. And I was like sick to my stomach for a whole week. And I was like, what did I do? I just dumped so much money and it's a huge failure. And I was so upset. And then, and then by Sunday I was like, why are you feeling like this? Who cares? 
it's so cool. And lots of people are talking about it and they really like it and, and look at, and like, I'm really into the culture that I can build, but if I could build a culture where my employees are so happy and they like love their jobs and because they love their jobs, like the clients can tell when they call in for customer service questions that they love it. And the brand itself and the aesthetics is like so happy when you get this pillow, aren't you really happy? You can't be sad. There's no way you can be sad when you get this pillow. It's like the happiest pillow you've ever seen. And like, if the clients are really happy and using it, like, why can't they, then they're going to tell their friends because they love it so much and it's making them happy. And if they're telling their friends to be happy, then more people are coming to see us, more people are talking about us and, and aren't they talking about us in a positive way? And if they're not talking about us in a positive way, then that's just the thing we're going to deal with. And like, okay, I'm sorry you feel that way. Hey, can I make you feel differently? And like, I, instead of worrying about the, the dollar amount that we're creating, I'm really excited to just create something really cool and like a culture that everybody wants to work for and a brand that's amazing and different and unique and like nothing the industry has ever seen. And with that, wouldn't we all assume that sales will just come and we'll see, we'll see how long it takes. We'll see if it happens. Well, if it doesn't happen, I'll move on to something else. It's okay. You know, I was, I was talking to a, a colleague the other day and his point was happy clients start with happy employees. That's right. And if the employees are happy and they're enjoying their work, it's going to be expressed in what they deliver to the client. And that's going to result in the client being happy. That's right. Um, let's talk a little bit more about this new launch business. What is, tell us about it. Tell us what it is. Here's your, here's your platform. Here's my platform. <laughs> so it's called the Pillow Addict and it's all about pillows. It's the first luxury pillow subscription service. So think maybe rent the runway for pillows. Um, I, you know, I've, I've watched clients over the years and they'll invest in a sectional, no problem and spend lots of money on a big upholstery piece. But if I put a separate line item for the pillow that is making your dull beige sofa come to life and is making it what it is, if, but if I put it to the side on its own line item where you can see how much it costs between three and $500, Without fail, the wife will be like, please, 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 please. And the husband would be like, are you crazy? No way. But if I roll that pillow into the cost of the sectional, so you can't see how much it costs by itself, then you're looking at that sectional as like, wow, with these pillows on it, it's going to look so amazing. And this is like going to bring the room together. And so I realized that like these pillows are everything and you can find pillows everywhere, but these aren't your average, you know, Joe pillows. They're great quality. They're designer fabrics um, that only designers have access to. Um, but more importantly, I think what we're also finding from our clients is what you want in October when the holidays are about to roll around for your home looks different than what you want in July when the sun is shining and the warm weather is out. And so if you invest three to $500 on a pillow and you might need five on your sectional, you're going to never want to switch your pillows out. And that can feel stale and stagnant. And I don't believe homes should feel stale and stagnant. I believe that they should change with your moods and with the seasons. And so this subscription service allows you to do that. Um, it allows you to change it up, try pink, like 
I, I've never tried pink, but I will now because I've got a subscription service and I don't have that guilt of investing in an expensive pillow um, and feeling like I have to be conservative with my choices because it's too expensive. You can kind of play with ideas and fresh ideas and whatever your mood is for the season. And, you know, you want to try a color this time and you don't like it, fine, swap it for something you're more comfortable with next time. And then you get bored of that one, fine, swap it for something else the next time. So that's kind of what it's all about. It's really fun. It's exciting. It's different. I could be the craziest person in the room or I could be the most genius person in the room and only time will tell and who cares? (laughs) Well, they say every, every great idea started with a crazy idea. There you go. Well, then this is going to be great. <laughs> let's let's shift focus a little bit and go back to interior interior design. And I'm specifically curious about what you've seen in the industry. Obviously, many of us are at home more often uh, than we have been over the over the years. How have you seen that impact the interior design space? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think that you hit it on the nose. People are sitting in their home all the time now. And well, one thing I've also noticed by sitting in my home all the time with my kids who are also at home from school all the time is everything is aging exponentially fast. (laughs) So my kitchen cupboard should look really good. But when there's four people touching them all day long, because we're all bored and, you know, you eat when you're bored they're getting more nicked and more used and doors and handles are breaking. I'm like, this stuff is supposed to last a long time. And I finally don't, and like my upholstery is so dirty. And I'm like, I just had this clean. And it's just because we're using it all day long where we only used to use it. I don't know, between the hours of four and eight, really. So instead of those four hours, now we're using it four times as much. And so I think people are sitting in their homes, looking around and like, wow, this is really tiring. And they're realizing the importance of making their space pretty or make them feel good. It doesn't matter what that is to you, but just make it feel good. Some, for some people, it doesn't matter how pretty the things are for some people that means like it's organized and function functions really well. Like if you're sitting at home and now you're using it all the time and you don't have anywhere to put all the junk that kids bring with them, well, then you're going to sit there and say, okay, well, I've got to reorganize and, um, and, you know, fix the function of my home. And, and for me, it's very much about like, I stare at my entryway all day out of my office. And so I put a wall of wallpaper that I get to look at now. And maybe that's materialistic because I'm a designer, but it makes me so happy. Like, why don't I get like, why is that wrong? It makes me really happy every day. Um, and so for me, it's about making things beautiful and organized and function well, but like really beautiful things. Like I have a physical happy reaction to them. And isn't like, isn't that the name of the game to find what makes you happy in life? And so this does. And so I think that's what other people are finding too. Like they really want a beautiful space because they're in it all day now. That's helpful. That's very helpful. Switching back, um, to leadership, I'm curious of your insights around developing leaders. You know, you, you made a big transition with your West Coast, moving to the East Coast and keeping your West Coast office open. At some point in time, I would assume there, you mentioned it before, you have a designer there who is a better designer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Talk to me about how you develop leaders within your organization. This is a really fuzzy one to me, and I'm not sure I know the secret or I don't even know if I've done it quite yet. I think the only thing that I can say 
that shows me I'm on the right track at the very least is that I have great longevity with my employees and I was able to find a way to remove myself from the business and it got better. And so those two things tell me that I was able, that there is something I am doing and some days I understand it really clearly and other days I don't, but there is something that I'm doing in the I don't really know that it's the training, although I think the processes help with that and the training and all of that. I think that's a piece. That's where you start. But my employees, I think it could be crazy. They could come on and be like, we can't stand her. I don't know what I think they like me. Um, <laughs> I they, they work really hard for me. Like I, my employees work for me like it's their own business. And that does not go unnoticed to me. Um, and I think think that is because I know that they can do their job as good or better than I can. And because that's the case, then when something comes up, I'm not like a dictator where I'm like, okay, well, this is a problem and this is our solution and you're just going to have to accept. I don't know the answers and I am really open about it. I'm, I'm an open book. If I say you guys, we don't have any profits, like we're getting dangerously close to not being, I mean, it's happened. We can't pay our bills. We've got payroll and other bills coming up and I can't pay them. How? I don't say like, I'm not going to pay you guys because of it. I say like, how are we going to pay them? And then they'll say, oh my gosh, well, I have three invoices that I haven't collected on that I can collect on. And then I actually call it raising capital. I'm like, well, let's start raising capital. (laughs) So um, I'm like, okay, well, why do we have these invoices? Like, let's collect on them. Who else can we collect on? And then somebody's like, oh my gosh, well, we've got, you know, some ARs that are like 30 days overdue. And I'm like, okay, your job is to go collect on those. And your job is to do these three invoices and schedule install. And then before you know it, we've got our cash flow solved again. And, and I didn't solve it because I didn't know the answer when I came into that meeting. And so like, I, that's what our meetings are for. Like we have a problem, but I really need their opinions and their solutions. And I ask for them very frequently. And, and I, you know, I am very careful because my, a lot of times my natural instinct is to be like, Oh, we can't do that. But when I like hear myself say that, I say it out loud and they're, and I can see them and they're like, oh God, she's so rude. And then I'm like, but I have to step back and be like, okay, but then why not? When I say that, like, why not? Why can't we do that? Let's run through that. Let's run through what it looks like. And then by the time we run through it, I'm like, okay, well, that's a really good idea. And then as I'm running through it, somebody else is like, well, you should also do this while you're doing that. And I'm like, oh, that's a really good idea too. So they're really smart people. It's not that they're really smart people. I mean, they are, they're really smart people, but I don't think that's it. I think that they really care. And when you really care about something and you really want to give your hundred percent and you really want to make it work. And I think they want to do that because I allow them to do that. I say like, what else can I do to help you do your job better? And like, I give them buy-in and because of those things, they come up with the best solutions with me. And the, and then that like goes on and on. And so I mean, I, and I, I did again, like, I don't, maybe that just happened because I fell upon some good employees with the first company, but I'm actually seeing it with the second company. Like I've got my person who's kind of like my right-hand man. 
Like, why does she stay up till eight o'clock trying to hook up her Stripe account? Like, I don't even want to do it, but she's doing it and she's doing it because she cares about this company and she believes in it. And like, I care about her opinion too. And then, and then because I care about her opinion, she cares about the company. And I care, like, if she's like really mad at me because I was like, I can't do that. Like there, there's some times where we butt heads because, you know, we don't know what, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and like, and so like, we're all figuring this out on our own and, but it's this cycle that goes around around and so she wants to give and then I need to take from her and she feels needed so she wants to give and and like I want to give back to her because I see her staying up till eight o'clock and like then then she wants to give more and it's like this and it goes on and on and on and I I, I think right now today that's what it is that's very very powerful um you know that that level of care is is a constant and it's impactful and your employees feel it and you feel it. And I love when you talked about they, they feel empowered and they feel like it's their business and there's ownership there. And it's a team, positive team effort. Um, that's great. Um, Amy, just if our listeners want to find you, are you LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook? What's the best avenue for our listeners to come find you and talk to you about design and pillows? I think you can find me in all those places, but I wouldn't know how to tell you. I only know how to tell you to find me in one spot and <laughs> can either go to our website, but really on Instagram, we spend a lot of time on there. Um, Peltier Home or Amy Peltier Interiors on Instagram and Pillow Addict on Instagram. Um, and of course you can go to our website, pillowaddict.com and peltierinteriors.com, P-E-L-T-I-E-R. That's a mouthful, so. That's awesome. And we'll include that in our show notes. So any, any of you who are listening, curious to find Amy or, or watch her on her pillow project, um, it'll be exciting. So Amy, it's great to have you on the show today. I think a lot of your, I don't think, I know many of your insights were, were deep and honest, and I appreciate that. Um, again, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. And that's a wrap, my friends. Thank you for spending your time with me. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at impactfulleadershipshow.com. One last food for thought, walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone.